Awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined this week by my wonderful co-host, who is currently stitching up a bullet wound with dental floss. It's Danny Calamari. Hey, how we doing? The bullet wounds, um, it's, it's hurting bad, it's hurting bad. This dental floss isn't good quality, but but we're trying, we're trying. Yeah, Getting the mint flavored one was really the mistake because that's <laughs> going to really burn. Was. It really, yeah. really was. <laughs> um, we are talking about season one of Echo, which may be the only season um, they've come mm. out. It seems like a Marvel spotlight series, uh, which episode one is called Chaffa. Uh, and in this episode, Maya Lopez flees the criminal underworld of New York City after killing Kingpin. And that's that's pretty much it that sums up the episode, doesn't it? That's yeah, all that it really happens. does. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, a lot of this episode is just kind of that. Actually, a lot of this episode is stuff we've seen in previous um, episodes of Marvel stuff. Yeah, there was pretty much like her entire scene, like all the scenes we saw of Maya in Hawkeye were the first episode of Echo. Yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. I loved Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, it was a good recap as well, um, I think, you know, even if you've seen Hawkeye to give you a bit of context about her and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of what we've already seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, it made me wonder, when did they film it all? Because I'm certain that the little kid in the scenes we hadn't seen when her mother died in those flashbacks mm-hmm. and when she moved to New York, that was the same kid that yeah, was, was doing the karate in um that we saw as flashbacks in hawkeye yeah and she didn't seem to like the age didn't seem to like have aged a bit during the filming either i don't think personally yeah like maybe it was all shot at once i don't know that'd make sense if they shot it all at once and they just said all right we know this we can use it in hawkeye or if she gets her own show we can use it then yeah that kid by the way a fantastic like look-alike to um the actual actress yeah, it's really spot on. I wonder if it's like a cousin or a sibling or something because it's really close. Oh, you mean like in um, in Doctor Who, where um, Amy Pond, the young Amy Pond, turned out to be like a second cousin of Karen Gillan? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like that. Yeah, and they only found out on set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, quick synopsis of the whole episode. Maya's mum died because her dad was a criminal, so they moved to New York because her grandmother didn't like that anymore. Um, then she was badass. Her dad died. She started working for Kingpin. Kingpin was mean because he killed her dad, so she killed him, and now she's back in Tamaha, where she runs into some old people. Not some old people. Some people she knew from way back when, and that's kind of it, right? She gets fixed up and plans like a, a vengeance. Yeah, that's kind of it. It's just more of a, a setup episode for, I guess, the um, yeah the location of I'm assuming the rest of the series. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, kind of getting it. These are our characters. These are the people yeah. we're going to learn about. Yeah, and oh yeah, and Kingpin's still alive. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> I think too. oh yeah, most people would have assumed that. I think. Yeah, when in the end of Hawkeye, where it's like, I'm pointing a gun at you and now I'm going to, the camera's going to pan away <laughs> and a gunshot, but we're not going to see him get shot. No, 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 he's definitely dead, you guys. He's definitely dead. If you don't see the character dead, and even then, if the character's like still got their head on, there's a chance that they're going to come back. 
just always assume if it's a Marvel or superhero thing, they're coming back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What was that? If you don't see the... There's something of like, if you don't see a body, they're definitely coming back. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Um, and that's that's pretty much the episode. I realized I am doing our, our listeners a disservice, Danny. Um, right. they, they have no idea who you are. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> That's true. Who, who are you? What's your deal? Why are you on this podcast? Did you just wander into the studio? And yeah, I did. Yeah. Start talking to the microphone. Yeah. Fantastic. With the bullet wound. No, um, how, yeah, <laughs> that was a, a security guard that was trying to stop you. Um, how about you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Um, what, how long you've been running role-playing games, what you like, that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, um, my name's Danny. Uh, I've been running role-playing games for, I actually don't know, six, seven years, something like that. Oh my God. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. Um, That's like since high school. Yeah, it was right near the, hang on, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) You nearly got me there. No, I still further away. (laughs) Danny's young, you guys. I am, yeah, look, I'm nearly 25, (laughs) but... Yes, the joke is I'm I'm 16, anywhere between 16 and 18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so you've been running about six years. Yeah, something like that. I, In terms of that stuff, in terms of role-playing games, like I tend to go on more of the side of um, chaos and I love the creative freedom of all of it. I just kind mm-hmm. of, my biggest thing with all of it is seeing um, the kind of, sometimes insane ways that some people approach very similar situations. Um, yeah. That's why like when running the same one shot multiple times, it's actually quite fun because I can see just how majorly they divert to, between different groups. Oh yeah. I, I adore that because it's always, you tell a group like what someone else has done afterwards. They're like, oh, I wouldn't even thought of that. I'm like, yeah, given that you burned down the barn, I, I kind of got the feeling you weren't going to think about talking to anyone. <laughs> I, so that sort of attitude, I love it. Yeah, I have, I've got a straight up normal fantasy game, but somehow one of them ended up in the future in a McDonald's car park. And I love <laughs> telling the players that afterwards because they're like, hang, hang on, how did it divert that far ahead? But yeah, it, it is so um, so fun seeing the different ways they can be approached. Yeah, particularly re- recurring adventures as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. It's like seeing your your favorite book or your favorite book characters just go into shenanig- different shenanigans over and over and over. Yeah, even the which. Oh, sorry. Go. Bringing it back, that's like comics. Yeah, exactly like comics. <laughs> yeah. You keep oh, finding you like in comics. Yeah, it's good. Comics tend to repeat similar ideas, similar stories. Peter Parker gets a wife, loses mm. a wife, gets a wife, and, you know, mm-hmm. just keeps going round and round, really. Mm. The week we're recording this is um, the week that Ultimate Spider-Man yes. the new ones come out. So I'm very interested in reading that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Looks good. It looks good. All right. Well, speaking of Spider Man, Spider Man segues into Kingpin, and Kingpin segues back into the episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, if anyone wants to know more about Danny, find him on social media. There you go. Yep. That's a solution. <laughs> or go to Masters of Alchemy, the um, the premier premier game mastering service in Melbourne, because uh, we are brought to you by that. And we are also a spoiler free podcast, particularly for this series. 
uh, but we're going to spoil a whole bunch of other MCU stuff. So if you're listening, you have been warned. Uh, pretty much anything that's not this series is up for grabs. Great. Cool. Excellent. Um, I want to talk about Kingpin. Yeah. Because he's got a pretty... I feel he's got a big role in this just epi- this episode. Yeah, yeah. Like for did. someone yeah. who is only really there through flashbacks. Yeah, he's got um, like, he's got a major presence. Like when he's on screen, even like what's mm. the actor's name? I'm blanking. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Thank you, Vincent D'Onofrio. He's got such a presence as well. So even in the small scenes he's in, he's he's there. Yeah. And I think that's something you need for a villain like Kingpin, someone who's going to be just that constant presence in the player's life or in the in the characters' lives, like not just when he's threatening them directly, but also all the machinations, all the little strings they're pulling, all the threats that's like can't let Kingpin find out, like the the finger in every pie sort of feel to it. Yeah, exactly. And I do like um, with this show so far anyway that nearly like most of Maya, Maya being the main character, most of her actions seem to be in relation to Kingpin or because of Kingpin or things like that. Like her her Mm. motivations and all that centered on him. Um, So yeah, he's always felt even when he's not there. Mm. And it does kind of work for that character backstory if you're running something like a and d campaign where you've already introduced the main villain to the party. Yeah. And a player's like, okay, well, he's the one I'm trying to get vengeance against. He's the one that destroyed my family. So all of my actions are going to be around that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is, it is funny with that because of the way these Marvel shows work. Um, even looking at, looking at it as an RPG, it's kind of, What's the word? Because there's stories that have happened with them prior to the show itself. It's hard to like mm. see where would this be like a continuation <laughs> campaign? Would it be the start of a new one? Um, Is it like a little couple of solo sessions after somebody's appeared in something else? Yeah. Did someone like the uh, the NPC minor NPC villain of Maya in the Hawkeye campaign and wanted to play as them? Like, I don't know. I don't really know how you'd look at that with kingpin well i'm i'm wondering then did the hawkeye player character go okay hawkeye story's done but i really like this one you made up for for um this maya character like let's let's find out her backstory can i do you want to do some solo sessions where i find out about them yeah yeah that that sounds kind of it feels like what this is it's this like side adventure and it's also being a marvel spotlight which is their newest thing kind of Mm. is also i think that's what that means now kind of more self-contained adventures which i'm keen for yeah love that um but yeah it feels like that like this is a little side thing leading up to maybe something bigger i don't know i want to talk about this concept of the spotlight as a mini campaign Actually, yeah. I hadn't put this on the notes, so I'm kind of springing it on Danny out of nowhere. <laughs> but I'm of the opinion recently where you don't have these forever campaigns. You don't go for years at a time. You might say, okay, we've got six months and we're going to play every second week. And at the end of it, 
either the campaign's over because we beat the villain or that's just the story we told. And I like that for this idea as well. It's like you get a very simple task and you just role play it out for that length of time. And at the end, that's the end. Yeah, yeah, I, I but, am liking that idea as well um, with campaigns because I've done, I've done things in the past where it's like, this is going to be a massive um, long length campaign and it just ends up like fizzling out or things happen, people's lives get in the way. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I do like the idea of a smaller campaign and yeah, this is what the Marvel spotlights I think should be feeling like. And even mm, with this show, just five episodes. Yeah, even with this show, it feels. Um, I I don't know where it's going to go exactly. It feels like it's got not going to be huge in terms of like universal scope. Yeah, yeah, it's a personal story. Like, who's just in this first episode? The only references to the rest of the universe is that Hawkeye's there in the flashback, um, and that's kind of it, honestly. Like Kingpin's there, obviously, and Daredevil shows up. Mm-hmm. Like, hi there, Daredevil. Didn't realize you were going to be in this. Well done, Charlie Cox. Um, I love him. I guess I, I love him as Daredevil. He's so great. I love that he was in it. It's just so much fun. Um, yeah, but that's it. That's the only connections, and it's like, well, does there need to be any more of a connection? Yeah, I don't think, especially for for characters like Echo and stuff, there doesn't need to be. There really doesn't. Hmm. But when you're doing this, this actually, you know, you know what it reminds me of now? What? Um, the Critical Role, uh, Exandria Unlimited. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's that. It's just a short five episode run. A couple of new people have come into the table. You're teaching them how to play D&D with a couple of characters that they already know. That kind of thing. And Exandria Unlimited, by the way, is one of my favorite Critical Role things. Because of its smaller scope, I think it's it's with stuff like that, it's easier to watch or in an RPG sense, it's easier to digest to play. And I think yeah. it's most more of it's going to stick with you in the end because when you play for so long, you're going to forget details. Things are going to be lost with your memory. doesn't matter how good your notes are. Um, but yeah, smaller scale, I think, sometimes has a larger impact. Yeah. And you can give more details about a world. You can introduce new characters that will then show up in a longer, in a bigger session later on. It just helps people understand more without it being like, oh, this one character that I've been playing for the last 12 months remembers something from forever ago. It's like, no, you you as the player do, but the characters don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's um a fun little thing that we just <laughs> decided on. <laughs> I've got no segue for the next part. Not really. There's just some interesting stuff I wanted to, to touch on. Like um, the fact that Maya's just immediately... Oh, by the way, you got a tragic backstory. <laughs> Have fun with that. Your mum's dead. It's actually... It felt so much like a typical di- like role-playing game tragic backstory. Right? Yeah, it was like your mum's dead. and Oh, we're going to move. Oh, no, now your dad's dead. And it's, yeah. Now your dad's dead. And then I worked for like this this kingpin of crime and his name was King Kingpin. <laughs> and <laughs> and I don't, I don't oh, like no, people. I, don't I, like... I stay to my, you know, stay to myself. I don't work with others other than this kingpin yeah. guy. It's, it's very... And he's like a father yeah. to me. Yeah, exactly. But then he betrayed me, so I killed him. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh, it's just, 
it's per it's a perfect tragic backstory. Yeah. Like it's so comics too. Although I was a little confused. I forgot left out that there was the um the first Choctua, I think it was, where they've got the the earth people waking up yeah. at the very start and then drinking some water and then getting a cave crushing them. And it's like a whole <laughs> thing, which I suspect will come into play in future episodes. But in this one, I was like, what? Yeah. Not how I expected it to start. And, no. um, as far as I'm aware, cause I did a little research. It's not, I, this is a new thing. I think that is been made up for Maya. For, so, it, Okay. I, That's as fair. far as I'm aware, I did I did look it up. I does doesn't seem to be have any basis in the comics. So I was like kind of taken off guard quite mm. a bit. I'm like, oh, just didn't think it was going to go in this direction. I'm wondering because the most recent stuff with Maya has made her into Thunderbird and the Phoenix Force. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is their answer to that. Yeah, kind of not being the Phoenix Force, but some level of yeah. yeah Maybe. Like giving her some power yeah, because of that. And then having an opportunity to go, well, look, also Native American, which we've kind of been ignoring for ever. Yeah. Um, for Marvel. <laughs> uh, now, actually, that does tie in because I didn't realize when I was first watching that any scene with sign language was going to have subtitles because the scenes with the... Um, the, I've, I've forgotten who the Native American group that Maya belongs to is called. But I was assuming that whenever it was going to be in a non-English language, it was going to have subtitles, which it then does also with sign language. Right, And yeah. I thought that was really interesting because language in RPGs tends to get ignored most of the time, yeah. in my opinion. Um, simply because people are like, oh yeah, we just speak all the languages. It's fine. I won't need you to have this information unless it's vital that they don't have that information. Yeah. Exactly. And I was wondering when it comes to particularly fantasy games and like D and D, what would your response be if they want to speak sign language, like a sign language, would you just have them be able to speak it in the same way that they speak Elven? You mean, sorry, like one of the players wants to speak sign language. Yeah. If one of the players, if one of the players wants to be like, I want my character to understand the sign language of the elves and they've got a language slot for whatever better word. Um, and they want to spend it on this language. Yeah. I'd allow that. I think it's, I'd treat it. I think the same as another language. Obviously mm. with some, like you just got to keep in mind, I guess like there might be some scenarios where if you can't see the player's, hands like the character's hands or anything then that can't be communicated um unlike Mm. just shouting out across a battlefield so it would probably have some limitations i guess but for the most part um yeah actually it would have some benefits if you're in an area where sound doesn't travel if you're in in a magical effect or whatever then it'd have some benefits there as well and i'm thinking it'd also be one that um you then create situations where it is useful like you have characters who don't um, speak any other languages but this one and you have areas of silence where this is going to be a benefit for the character who took it because that you know rewards yeah. the player's um, idea of what they want to have for the character. Yeah, and especially if, um, say if someone's player character, they want them to be deaf, 
um, hmm. then definitely having having situations that um, kind of work better for that as well. Um, and I guess if a if a player character's deaf, then maybe the party just all knows sign language. I don't know. It depends, I guess, on the situation there. I think it depends on the group as well. I feel that that's one that you do talk about in session zero because oh, no, it would be a little too easy, I think, for a lot. I, I, I believe the the term is abled people. Um, right. I think uh, when it comes to to hearing impairments. Um, I think it might be a little bit too easy for that to be ignored and also or maybe brushed over or not treated respectfully. Yeah, yeah, um, true. And just gone, this is this is just a, it, the idea of cultural appropriation, basically. Just This is just a wacky feature about my character yeah. rather than actually something that is about them as a person um, and something that they're delving into to deal with. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, definitely like it has yeah. to be addressed in session zero. I do think though, like if you're doing something based around Marvel and they're like specifically, I want to play yeah. as Echo, or like you know, yeah. like or say even being blind or like I want to play as Daredevil, um, which mm. I know isn't technically blind, you know, but um, yeah, he's Daredevil. He's Daredevil, but yeah, I guess I'm blind, but I see like a regular person. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, that would be I guess more close to the situation that it would come up. Like, if they're specifically mm. like, I like this character, I want to play as them. Yeah. And that actually does a nice little segue into talking about the Marvel Multiverse RPG. Yes. Um, since that gives us a chance to talk about the system that does offer a chance to play all these characters. Um, now, that being said, from what I've seen, what I remember of the powers and the abilities in the Marvel Multiverse, there isn't anything to improve there's no real drawbacks to say blindness or deafness or um, missing a limb or anything like that in, in the mechanics of the game. It's just, they have traits and tags and yeah. traits are something that does affect the game mechanically and tags are just something that you know about the character. And if I remember vaguely, I believe that hearing impairment or audio issue, auditory issues are just a, a tag. tag. Yeah, but tags are things, I think it specifies tags can still affect roleplay, just no mechanical things. Yes. Yeah. So Yes, they affect roleplay, but not mechanics. Yeah. So I guess it's there to kind of be like, oh, we'll take this into account with your roleplay. But I guess with something like a Marvel multi, the Marvel Multiverse RPG, it hmm. is going under the assumption you're playing as super powered people, like super, like super yeah. people, like even, even Echo who doesn't have powers in the comics is still even hawkeye <laughs> even hawkeye is still like greater than the average person so i think that's why it yeah. doesn't have that much of a a downside i guess i don't know yeah, yeah it's just something to remember in the in the the i guess the fluff is another way of describing it like the role play aspect of it is the fluff yeah. You have it as that thing, but the mechanics of the game aren't really going to be affected by it because you're following from the comics. The comics, it only matters when it matters to the story. <laughs> exactly. Like, they'll, they'll find a workaround um, if it doesn't matter to the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is honestly not a bad way of seeing it, like, particularly for, for other role-playing games as well. It's like, if it doesn't matter to the story, well, 
hand wave it so we can continue on and get to the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. If it's but and then again though, if you're wanting to play a character that does have some sort of disability, um, and then it you decide it doesn't really matter to your character's story, then there's kind of a discussion of mm. does it need to be here then at all? Yeah, I guess unless yeah. you know, unless it's going to be done like tastefully or um, in a way that that matters, I guess. Yeah, because I think one of the things you don't want to do is if you start a character with a disability, and um, that or an impairment, and then go, oh well, magic removed it because I don't want it anymore. It's like, ooh, yeah, it feels ooh, that's problematic. Yeah, it feels. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel. It doesn't sit nice. Yeah. Like that might be a quest you go on, maybe, but like it's or a wish or something if you really have to do it at all. Um, honestly, I'm I'm just trying to segue because I think we made our point on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I wanted to say quest, quest for vengeance. Yes. Which is Maya's whole thing leading up to like half of the episode basically because it's all the flat the flashback. Uh, like the quest for vengeance for her father's killer, then the quest for vengeance against, well, against De- um, against Kingpin, which seems to be still going, and that seems to be the impetus of this series. Just this vengeance, so very good for character motivation in an RPG. Like yeah. you get the tragic backstory and you get the quest for vengeance. Yeah, I, I, I do love the quest for vengeance, but I think what's what's cool about this particular one is as far as she's aware, like when once all the flashbacks catch up, her quest for mm. vengeance is done in a sense. Like yeah. she's still kind of kicking back against his whole operation, but yeah. um, her vengeance against Hawkeye kind of doesn't really happen, but she doesn't, I don't think she really mm. wants to anymore by the end of that show, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think she's like, oh, I got used. Yeah, um, exactly. Even though he did very much kill her no, father. He, he definitely killed her dad. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but then, yeah, gets her vengeance against Kingpin because as far as she's aware, he's dead. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to explore that. Like, there's the quest of vengeance, vengeance that we see in this episode. And then it's like, okay, what now? Yeah. Like, what now? When... Have you had players who want to have a quest for vengeance as their motivation? I have. Yes, I have. And did you lean into it and go, yeah, when you kill this person, you're going to get to stop adventuring? Or do you go more towards that when you, when you seek vengeance, make sure to dig two graves sort of aspect? Um, well, I've, I've had like in, in what's it called? In one shots, it's obviously not as... Um, yeah. Not as in-depth. As but, was vital, yeah. Um, I did run a campaign where it was actually similar to what I just said. Um, she had her target. She had her vengeance mm. quest and completed it in like four sessions um, mm. of a really long campaign and then had to deal with the, um, like the emptiness that came after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, d- I did it in a way, it's like, at the start, it was all congratulatory and things went really well for the character post the vengeance, like initially. And then it just kind of starts to slope down as a, it gets worse and worse for her. And just this feeling of not knowing where to go with the rest of her life. Yeah. 
That's mean. I love it. it yeah, it, it, it is mean, but it was fun. It was fun for the player to explore as well, and then kind of mm. figuring more stuff out. And yeah, it was it was a good thing to kind of explore and still like to show that the vengeance was not like the answer. It didn't actually help anything. I always like to do avenge. Like that's that's the feeling I want to have from vengeance because it is very much in media. But there's a moment in Hawkeye, not Hawkeye, in Echo that we see where um, after her mother dies and her father's like, I found the guy who cut the brakes of the car and I've dealt with it. And Maya's grandmother's like, that won't bring my daughter back. And he's like, yeah, but it makes me feel better. It's like, well, does it? (laughs) And like, that's kind of the point of all these vengeance stories that it doesn't make you feel better. He clearly does. Yeah, exactly. And or like a little bit. I think it's implied that because of that, it then leads to his I don't know, like leads to him being with Kingpin and then dying himself. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I a- feel like because he did this, the grandparents are gonna kick him out entirely. Like they don't want anything to do with him, even before they didn't. But yeah. it's like if he had stepped back, if he wasn't this person and who did these things, then maybe they would have been okay with him staying around with Maya. Yeah, then Maya wouldn't have been with Kingpin and would have lived a very different yeah. life. So, yeah, it is. it still shows that, like, maybe momentarily he felt better, but ultimately it went way worse for him. Yeah. Where was I going with that? I've forgotten. Oh, that's, that's right, the quest for vengeance. Um, that I do want it to be... Um, not an empty one, but I want it to be a little more vague for some characters. Okay. Like a little more memento where it's, you, you, you want to find the one-armed man. So whenever there's a, a hint of a one-armed man, that character is always like, no, we got to go and do this mission. We've got to do this mission because I've got to, it's a clue to my backstory. And you keep giving them breadcrumbs along, but to be just so you're aware, you're never going to find it. Yeah. Like, it's not about, because at a certain point, that vengeance doesn't become about you actually getting the vengeance. It's about this is what keep is keeping you going. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's usually how I play it for for characters who want that vengeance. It's like I'll keep you keep you going until your you feel your character has found something that's not that. Yeah, or even if you do. Like, say they're looking for a person that, and keeping it vague. Even if you do have them end up finding the person, ending up making it so that the person they wanted vengeance against, like, in their head is so much bigger and evil or whatever than the actual person themselves. So when they yeah. find that person, then there's like, oh, this isn't at all what I thought this was going to be. Yeah. That works so well for when it's like this person came through and destroyed my family and my village when I was a kid. And it's like, yeah, it's been 20 years. That guy is an old dude who collects mushrooms now. Yeah, exactly. Because his 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 war band disbanded and kicked him out. And now he's just like scraping a living together as like a, a bum, basically. And yeah, get your vengeance on that guy. No one cares. No one will care if he is gone. Go for it. How do you feel about it now? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I love playing with that stuff. I think it um, it adds a lot of fun, and in a role playing aspect as well. I think it allows the players to really kind of dig deep into um, how to how to deal with that and how to act with that, because they may still go and take the take the revenge on that old dude, you know, depending mm. on how they're playing their character. 
Um, but I think most of the time you're going to have at least someone in the party that's not going to be happy with that, causes party conflict. So it, it's mm-hmm. great. Perfect for roleplay. <laughs> for a game master, it's Yeah, perfect. I love it. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff we do. Oh, we're, we're so cruel. We're so cruel to them. Um, why? got to be cruel. Uh, and what else? Um, I've, I've lost my, my train of thought. I'm useless with segues today. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the Daredevil scene. Yeah. Oh, can I say quickly, before that Daredevil yeah. scene, without spoilers or anything, that kind of scene prior to that, it felt very, um, I don't know, it felt like there was a lot of scenes in there where it's a lot of like good roles, bad roles, like a plan. Like there was mm. a plan that didn't go fully all right. Like it wasn't, they didn't seem like um, professionals. Oh, not pro- not professionals. Oh, no. Well, they did kind of feel a little amateur, but they, yeah. I guess they're not, not professional, but I guess expert. They're not expert at what they were doing. Yeah. Whereas this is the raid of Kingpin's men. Basically, I don't know who they were busting I think or just who they random, were breaking into. Yeah. Yeah. Just knocking over another drug cartel or something, but he's already got the inside man and they've got this new person who they're not sure about, but it just kicks off this huge fight. Yeah. And but even like, I thought it was an awesome action sequence. Yeah, it was, but I- yeah, it was, it was, there's a plan and thing that someone's rolled poorly and now we're out. Like we have no idea what's going on now. Yeah. There's like a, a moment where someone bashes a door down, but it's not perfect. Like it's, kind of falls mm. into it and doesn't like get up with a quick roll or anything like as in like a literal like roll not rolling a dice like a quick roll from yeah. the ground or anything it yeah it feels um i don't know it felt it felt real in a sense of like they're not these super powered like people um and it also in a role playing aspect felt um felt on par for what usually happens especially with doors yes <laughs> yes fucking doors <laughs> Oh, it it did feel like I think everyone involved in that scene. Well, actually, you know what that scene is what? in um in a game? It's the introduced to combat. Yes. Like yeah, introducing yeah. three or four players to the mechanics of it. So the the guard at the door where they're like, Kingpin thanks you for his your loyalty, and he just blows the other guy's head off. <laughs> like he's an NPC, but the other three, they're all players at the table. Yeah, and they're introducing. Okay, try to bust open the door, just smash into it, and so you're seeing them do all these weird shit things because they're just they're just random player stuff. Yeah, and then the person playing Maya is probably like the newest because just stand, oh, for sure. standing there at the start, being like, oh, okay, well, is this what we're doing? Yeah, like I I don't know how I how do I do this? What's the best thing for me to do? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then finally gets that first kill. Yes, like where she snaps the dude's neck, and then it just like, oh, I can do this, and just rolling <laughs> dice and getting natural twenties and like kicking everyone's ass. And I think that's when the pl- game master's like, okay, okay, let's rein it back in a bit. Here's this hero guy, <laughs> and he's like really cool and suave, and he's got this mask on. <laughs> He's definitely he like, busts in and beats the shit out of them. Definitely not the character I made up. I promise. It's just like yeah. I, the, he his description looks like me, but that's a coincidence, guys. Yeah, and if you, if you've been to my my blog and seen the original fiction about this guy called uh, uh, Platt Purdock, it's nothing <laughs> to do with this guy. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh. No, I do like that first kill yes. element of it as well. Yeah. Because I feel that that gave it 
just the right amount of weight for a character who like death in RPGs is it's nothing. Yeah. People like deaths of player characters are quite something, but they kill everyone else <laughs> at the drop of a hat. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this gave it enough of a of a meaning. Like before that, Maya didn't know what she was doing. She really was just like kind of responding to everything. And then she like snapped that dude's neck and there was something in her that changed. Yeah, like like yeah, something like literally snapped i guess um yeah. and yeah you can see like her even her, like the looks on her look on her face and everything it just changes within that scene and she is right kind of within her element almost which is kind of scary as well to watch within the scene because mm. i'm thinking that that element of it is like she's just so full of pain at that point because her dad's died recently yeah that I'm wondering if that causing pain to somebody else and killing them, that just alleviates what she's feeling just that tiny bit. Yeah. And that's when she realizes, oh, I can use his pain to hurt and it won't hurt me anymore. It'll hurt someone else. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I think like in that moment within the show, I, like with kind of her facial acting there, I think that does portray that pretty yeah. well. And then the physicalness of how she comes into the room post that, and kind of decimates a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's portrayed really well in that scene. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And I'd love to... I'd love it if players dived into that more and really yeah. dealt with that concept. Well, with- And I'm thinking... Okay, we might talk about like what, what, char- what classes in D&D these characters are later, but I feel that based on that, Maya's got a couple of levels of barbarian in her. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, possibly. I think we're with that, like that scene in mind. Yeah. Yeah, like I think monk overall. Yeah, monk overall. Um, but there's a couple of barbarian things, just like for that extra damage and being able to take the hits. Like she's gone. No, no, I'm just tough. <laughs> and that element of the rage of just like when I when I get pushed a little bit too far, I just go off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, especially, like, it's funny that Rage, like, it's not even, obviously, like, she's not screaming or yelling, but it's just in the eyes. Mm. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's really... That cold fury. Yeah, yeah. it's sometimes scarier than uh, than yeah. someone that's just, like, this, you know, big wall of muscle that's, like, you know, yelling, screaming. Mm. And, well, crying in some cases. Yeah. Crying barbarians <laughs> when they rage, funniest thing I've ever had. The best one I've ever heard, Some I always ask a new player, what do you look like when you rage? And one person's like, "Like, there's a vein in my forehead and it just looks like I'm constipated. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, that's ideal. That's perfect. I love it. <laughs> of course you do. Because it's not the cool rage. It's not the throthing at the mouth. It's just like, I'm really angry. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. There's a, there's a great scene. No one's going to remember this film. It's Crackerjack from, um, oh, I think it's Working Dog. It's Mick Malloy and a bunch of other people in Australia. And um, yeah, but there's a couple of sequences where there's a guy driving a Volvo and it's like road rage incidents. 
but it has him, his point of view as he's just listening to music and you see the other drivers just like screaming at him, but no sounds coming out. And they look deranged. <laughs> they look absolutely deranged. And he's just seeing that. It's like, yeah, it's cool. And I feel that that's what Barbarian should look like sometimes. Yeah. Like just complete, complete deranged. You're just like, yeah, yeah, maybe I won't talk to that guy. <laughs> Uh, speaking of people that they talk to, I want to talk about Biscuit and Henry. Okay. Um, yeah. So Biscuit is her cousin? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. And he, they share the same grandmother anyway. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're cousins. Um, we'll talk about Bonnie in a second because I want to talk about Bonnie. But Henry's the dude from the roller rink who seems to also sort of work for Kingpin. Yeah. Or used or to? Did. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's not clear at this point. Um, because I really like the role that they play in this, that she just kind of... It's, it's that element of um, the player saying, I need something, and maybe using an inspiration point or just like a, a story point or something to say, oh, wait, I know a guy. Yeah. In this town, I know someone. And being like, oh, I do know someone. It's It's my cousin who looks after my grandmother's house. So getting out of trouble by having that, that extra story element to use. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't, and I th- oh, sorry, go. No, I was going to say, there's a couple of games that use that as a technique, yeah. being able to say, no, no, I know a guy. And then they have to explain how they know someone, but I cut for the life of me. I cannot remember what it is. I suspect it's something powered by the apocalypse. Um, but I can't remember it off the top of my yeah. head which one. There's a few different ones. Actually, even the Marvel Multiverse has something similar. Um, RPG. Oh, yeah. So I think it like, does. It, yeah. But it's specific. Like, you know someone in the military or you know someone. Like, yeah. It's specific like that, but it's it's similar as well. Yeah, that you have a connection in yeah. some way. But I think it's such a great way of creating NPCs and helping the car- uh, helping the players fill out the world that you're creating. Yeah. That's like be able to say, I know a guy. And it's not going to be some like Biscuit. What character, what player who's wanting to like destroy the, destroy this drug empire is going to create Biscuit. Like this dude with his dog and like his, he's really worried about like his grandmother's house. Like it's, it's very much that, um, you know, someone who's able to give you what the game master wants to give you. Yeah but is giving you that agency and that control over the world. Yeah, it, it makes you as a player as well feel like, I don't know, feel a bit more special with the world and stuff. Like, oh, this little piece of the world is like something I've put in there, like I've made. And it like it helps with yeah. it helps with investment for players as well. Yeah. And, then and, when- and Henry's sort of the same. Yeah, like he's... he Like, I've got this fixer that I go to yeah. and he's able to fix problems. Like, yeah... He knows someone that can fix you up, but who that is is going to be up to the game master and how that goes is going to be up to the dice. It's not just a magic wave the wand and it's all better. It's just you happen to know someone who has access to what you need. Yeah. It's it's such a good mechanic and it's so surprising that it feels like D&D being the biggest role-playing game around at this stage uh-huh doesn't really have any sort of mechanic for that. Like I'm thinking the backgrounds for something like Sage, where you know, if you need a piece of information, you know where to find it. Like that's sort of the closest thing to that. Yeah. But it's so like, even that with Sage, it's, 
so vague sometimes. Like it, it's yeah. like, I don't know. Sometimes there's situations where you're like, but does that fit here? Like how, how would the character know this? Instead yeah. of like, it's like, Oh, I know about that. It's in the library of like Alexandra. It's like, great. We yeah. all knew that. But then like the difference of being like, I know a guy and then you're like, all right, who is this guy? What do they like? Then, then it gives a reason as to why they know it instead of just, they know it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen, yeah. I know, I know some game masters are a bit wary about giving players that much power yeah. to create someone in the world like that. But most of the time I find when I do that, you give them a couple of sentences and then you go, yes, and this, and they don't go overboard. Yeah. That is like, oh yeah, I, I have a valet who comes and helps me sometimes. Like, oh yeah, and he's on holidays for at the moment, but he's back today. And so he's not prepared as much, but yeah, he's, he'll help you out with that. <laughs> yeah. And, but it, it gives them such a thing. And normally, particularly in one shots, that ca- that NPC suddenly becomes uh, a key element of it. Yeah, almost like always, if if it's an almost NPC always. that yeah. they're like that's yeah. if it's an NPC that's relatively useless, then they're going to be a pretty important element of this story. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if it's an NPC that's really useful, you see them once and then they just leave. Yeah, and they never go back to them. <laughs> no, no, we're ge- we're keeping Steve-O the Goblin. Steve-O the Goblin is coming with us. But the the prince? No, he can go home. Yeah, we don't want to talk it. to him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. We don't need the prince. He's just going to get in the way. <laughs> but yeah, I I like biscuit. I'm not sure about Henry yet. I'm not sure I trust Henry. No, I'm not sure I trust Henry either. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was that thing where they were watching Bonnie. Um, oh yeah, which is a bit stalkery. Yeah. And here's where I want to talk about Bonnie. Bonnie's her cousin. Or her sister, like her, her sister, because they did that thing at the beginning. Was it her sister? Uh, uh, it, no, I think it's like cousins, but they, right. they're close okay. like sisters. Yeah, gotcha. But I'm also a little bit like, are they like Alabama cousins? <laughs> because the way they're talking about each other feels very much like exes. Yeah, it does. It's, and I think it it adds to that feeling like she comes back into town and she's fine with Biscuit knowing, but not fine with yeah. Bonnie knowing for whatever reason. Like, if they're both her cousins, I don't really like... I know she was closer to Bonnie, but still... I don't know. Like, I know that's... I don't think that's where they're going with it. But no. the way it's shown in the episode and kind of talked about it kind of gives off that that feeling. Yeah, it's... It feels like there's a history there that we're just not being privy to, but it also seems like she hasn't been back in 20 years. So where does this history come from? Yeah. Yeah, because if we've seen Um, all the history in the flashbacks already, there's nothing seemingly that we know of that would mean she wouldn't want to see her. So I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But the the flashbacks we get in this episode is they leave... And Bonnie's like, I'm coming. I want to go too. And Maya's all like, I want you to come. And then they never see each other again, as far as we're aware, until now. It's like, mm. yeah. Well, I don't know. It feels like, well, she's kind of the only family she's got, like the closest family she's got there. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have to watch more episodes. Yeah, I guess so. I'm, to, I'm, I'm the feeling yeah. she's going to be an important part of the story. I don't know how yet, but. 
if they're putting that yeah. much weight into that relationship, then surely there'll be something there. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. She's going to be the heart of the show. Everyone else is kind of just... Yeah, actually, you know what? I think that's what it is. She's the heart of the show. She's the she's the morality the morality friend. Yeah, uh, right. To stop Maya going down the, the the bad path. Yeah, the full vengeance and yeah. destroying everything and getting people she loves hurt, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Bis- that's what I. That's my pick now. Biscuits not switched on enough to uh to be that for her. So biscuits the biscuits the comic relief. Yeah, because he's got a dog. Henry's the somewhat dodgy ally. Yep. Um, Chula, the the grandmother, and and Scully, the granddad. There, you know, the wise older generation who are sort of there as well. Um, but yeah, Bonnie's the the morality, the morality clause. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess um, anything else you wanted to talk about. Um, for this episode, Danny? Um, I'm trying to think. Nothing. No, nothing that really stands out. Did we do it, talk, say everything we wanted about Daredevil? Or did we gloss over that for you? Um, Was there something else? Just wanted to make sure. It's a tricky one. There's so much I want to say about Daredevil as Daredevil and Matt Murdock and, um, well, slut shamey man whore that he is. <laughs> um, like his appearance in She-Hulk, perfect. Oh, so perfect. Absolutely I perfect. I loved that. It's like, that was, that was, perf- I just, yeah. It's about time that, um, that Matt and, and Jennifer hooked up, honestly. Yeah. I'm actually so <laughs> glad we got to see only- that on screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this walk of shame. <laughs> that was great. Um, no, nothing else I wanted to say about Daredevil. I do also have a feeling that he might show up again. I don't think that's going to be his only appearance in this show. I don't know. Maybe if it is, it's going to be like second to, second last episode or last episode, I think. I don't... Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be like, if she returns to New York at all, like he'll show up. Or what should be because like an after Daredevil and Daredevil and Echo, like they've got a, a history in the comics. Yeah. Like you don't just have a for the have him for this and then he's gone. You have him a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, in an echo show, you'd think so. Unless they're trying to like do a slow burn build with Kingpin for other projects. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, I did want to talk about um, the the mortician that Henry gets to to fix up Maya's wound. Yes. Um, but that kind of ties in with the I know a guy yeah. element as well. It's like you can, you've got someone who can help with healing. I mean, they're they're an alchemist, so the person that they know that does healing is the mortician who knows how to like sew up a body so it looks fine. But it'll sew up the body. <laughs> like you're not getting everything you want, but you're getting enough to to get a short rest in. Yeah. So I love that idea. No, I, I do like that idea. Yeah, it's it's going with what the player has kind of put into the world, but of also not just yeah. like like you said before. It's not like an instant like. Well, now everything's fixed. Hmm. And I think it's also great for like I was thinking particularly when it comes to cyberpunk or like modern day RPGs. It's like you do have to have someone like this, like a slightly dodgier doctor who's not going to report gunshot wounds. Yeah. But even in like a fantasy world it's like oh i need some healing potions like great you're going to the local drug dealer then because that's what you're getting you're getting painkillers and you're getting severely strong painkillers 
if you want to heal like really really tough things yeah like a really really dodgy looking like um plague doctor depending on your um yes. depending on your setting yes. yeah the one that just like opens up the coat with all the different like potions that don't really yep. look right you want you want to buy some you want to buy some drugs you want to buy some uh, paracetamol it's all good it's all good i promise i've got a, a recurring npc called skeezy pete skeezy pete um yeah. skeezy pete and pretty much that's what he does I it's think- like whenever someone's like oh i need this it's like well you're not really in a place but hey there's this guy called skeezy pete that runs from the docks like <laughs> you can go down to him he might charge you a little bit extra but the stuff will be good mostly <laughs> that's great I feel like I've I've met Skeezy Pete in the one session I played with you as the DM. I think you have. I think yeah. I did. <laughs> Honestly, I use Skeezy Pete pretty regularly. Skeezy's fun. Skeezy's fun. Um, anyway, I think we might wrap it up there then. If we've got nothing else to say, we can watch some more episodes next week. Um, so subscribe wherever the podcasts are found. Uh, so tune in next week where we talk about episode two, Loak. Um, and we find out a little bit more about all the characters. Um, what else do I need to say? Danny, where can people find you if they are looking for you online and they want to interact with you? Um, best place would be... If they... What's that? I was going to say, if you want them to. Uh, no, I would to. like them to. Um, best place is going to be Instagram. I'm Danny.Calamari on Instagram. Um, all spelt there you go. the right way. Um, yeah. The right way. Well, as in, like, I'm, I'm not like putting numbers or anything in there. It's just Danny Calamari. Okay, <laughs> easy to find on Instagram, and we are on Instagram as well. The podcast is at dndntvpod. Um, I'm on Instagram as well at talaman83. Uh, so that's T A L U M I N. You can also send emails to the podcast, which is um, dndntvpod at gmail.com. Uh, so you can ask us questions, give us theories about what you think is going to be happening in Echo. Since all five episodes are out, you probably know, to tell the truth. You probably watched them all already. Um, or you're just binging them as you watch them, listen to them with us. And if you are, hey, leave us a review on wherever podcasts are found um, and share us with your friends because that gets us out to more listeners. And we really appreciate it. As I said much earlier, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. You can find Masters of Alchemy at Emporium, uh, Fortress Emporium in Melbourne, where we run the Dungeons and Flagons games and also now the mini Dungeons and Flagons campaigns. Is that correct, Danny? That is correct. Yeah, just started that one. Um, yep. So these episodes go up on Wednesdays most of the time, and the campaigns are on Thursdays. And there's also going to be Queens of the Quests for female and female presenting people to experience role playing games, which is really fun. But head over to mastersofalchemy.au or one word for some of the cool stuff there. Um, what can we have as a sign off for this episode? Because last month, last time it, with One Piece, it was, and we're going to be the king of the podcasts. Okay. Uh, oh, I know what it can be. I know what it can be because it's Echo. I got a thing. <laughs> okay. All right. So stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crits. May all your hits be crits. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Wonderful. And we'll see you all next time. See ya.
This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.